Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 11th of February, 2018. Last week I talked about the chaos that's happening in some countries in Europe, especially Sweden right now. Maybe not so specially, it's only that they've written more about it recently, about the chaos because of the mass migration into the country, and the fact that those who flooded in have no respect for the countries they're moving into. In fact, they have a, a rather great intolerance, it would seem. And now they're starting to admit, of course, in the general media, that there are indeed no-go zones where even the police hesitate to go in because it's so dangerous for them. And this, remember, is all designed. It's designed to go this way. So I'll carry on a little bit from last week into this week. But in the meantime, I was thinking about things I talked about many years ago. I've seen lots of people take bits of the talks and make good little videos about them too, about how we're farmed, pretty well farmed, and we're farmed up to increase the population. And when they want wars, to expand empires, things like that. And then we're culled down again through disease and given poverty, which is a great way of reducing the population, when they claim there's too many of us. Of course, today it's much more civilized. They, they quietly euthanize us, not all at once, but by giving you different kinds of diseases. There's no doubt about it. Just studying virology and all of the biowarfare industry complexes across the planet that we know of, never mind the ones we don't know of, which are probably more important, you have all, the, all your tax money going into ways of how to kill people and how they take basic common uh, viruses, for instance, and weaponize them to be far more deadly. Uh, this is not speculation, it's got not conspiracy. It's from some of the, the reports they put out themselves, because they love to boast about it in their own scientific magazines, and how they took, um, I gave a talk many years ago, when they actually did expeditions to different countries to try and dig up corpses from the permafrost, in Iceland and other countries, to try and get samples of the Spanish flu, the 1918 flu. And they did get some corpses so that had these viruses in hibernation, and they brought them back to life. They brought them to, to the U.S. and other, other places too, to their biowarfare labs, and they, they worked on it to revive it, basically, and find out ways of making it even more deadly. To find out how it works, you understand. That's how they put it across. <laughs> it's really beautiful, isn't it? But then you have all this nonsense with the flu, 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 the flu season. Every time it's a flu season, and they always... And I've said the talk... I've, I've, you know something It's like living... It's like Groundhog Day. Remember that movie? You keep giving the same talks every year, because they come around... The, the same things happen. Where they come out and say, Well, we gave you all these flu shots, but they were the wrong ones again. Uh, how come they? How come they can consistently be wrong, huh? All these years, and they just, they just never get it right. And when they say something like, "Well, maybe twenty percent, maybe twenty percent of the people who got this particular type of flu shot didn't get this particular type of flu," well, that's not that's nonsense. Twenty percent is rubbish because it's like it's a guess at the general population when they got vaccinated or not. It may, it's the same kind of answer you would get if you just did placebo studies. We do know that the vaccines have a lot of 
side effects. And it has it written on the darn things too. If, if you've ever asked your doctors or anybody else who's sticking it in you to have a little read at it, and you can find out what they actually say, what, what it might cause. Never mind the things that they should be saying too, to do with the other additives they put into But that's another story again. But really, you look at all of this going on, you look at the chaos with endless wars across the Middle East and then into Asia and so on. Endless wars. Because, again, a big, big list was made in the 90s and republished about 2000 with the PNAC group with all these countries that were to be taken out and they're still going at it yet. And even though they, they give you the occasional bit of news about Syria and how they're kind of backing off a bit, no, they're not. The, the U.S. has still got the Kurds and so on in the north of Syria, where the oil fields are, by the way. And they're not going to let them go back to Syria again. And it, they belong to Syria, whether you like it or not. So therefore, it's the same old thing as usual. And then Israel, of course, is, is back in there with their jet strikes on different places, claiming that some drone went across into their airspace. And so they're going to take out all the places where the drones are made or something. I mean, it's just endless. Same old story. Groundhog Day, repetition. Repeti- hell is repetition, right? It's like your whole life is revolved around all this stuff. And we live through all the, all the demonizing of Saddam Hussein. That think what you want, think what you want, but the fact is he kept, he kept the lid on all these different potentially warring groups. He kept, stopped them from killing each other and slaughtering everybody. And the West went in and grabbed his oil, of course. And they discussed it before they went in and grabbed his oil. And the first thing you must do is demonize the enemy to get public opinion and backing on your side for the war. First, that's his first rule of warfare. So lie to the public. Demonize the enemy. And I'm not saying he was a saint or anything, but I'll tell you one thing. Look, what is it like now? Look at it. And the mass, it's been endless chaos. So that masses of people are on the move all over the place. And so would you. And they know this. And here's what I'm getting at, too. It's like the book that Brzezinski put out, The Grand Chessboard. These guys are master strategists. We only see, generally, the immediate effect of something. We don't think about the big war game, the big plan, the chess game. If we do this, this will happen, and then this will happen, and they'll do that, and that will happen, and that will happen. And they work it all out in advance. I've given talks on this years ago. Do you see the immediate cause and effect? Bang, bang, bang. Your troops go in, or your air force is going, you bomb this country into the Stone Age, and migration bursts out. Other little gangs start fighting for power, which is always an unfortunate. There's always psychopaths left, unfortunately, and they end up fighting each other and causing misery for everybody that's left. And then the masses move out into other countries that surround them, and then the so-called allied forces go in and they bomb them out of existence too, because they're on the list as well. All the way to Libya, it's no conspiracy theory either. Gaddafi gave talks about it at the United Nations, and he said, if you take us out, he says, we're the only wall that stops all this massive flood from, never mind all the other Arab countries, but also from all mainstream Africa. So they take him out in a way to make it happen. And don't think it's just all accidental here. Don't think that for a minute. Grand chessboard again. We do this, that'll cause this. They'll do that in retaliation, that'll cause this and this, blah, blah, blah. And they've all worked out in advance. 
years in advance, right down to forming up the non-governmental organizations and funding them who deal with the massive migrants that come down the road years later. Many of the, these huge armies we saw swinging through Europe admitted that they were given all the advice on the way by certain groups who made sure they all got their cell phones and things like that and even gave them addresses of where to go in different countries way in advance, way in advance. Big, massive organization, big organization. Of course, they come in and there's no work in most of these places. A lot of them don't want any work. That's true as well. Let's see what, let's say the truth here. It just goes on and on with the trouble that's caught. And because there's so many coming in, but they also know that, that the law is going to pretty well back off of them, whatever they do. They know this in advance because the organization that made it all happen is in touch with them. And so they're awfully cocky. They're not thanking people for helping them, that you can see. Not, not, not a lot of these young guys. It's becoming a powder keg, I think. Of course it is. When even the media, that's been awfully compliant to try to play all the problems down, to please the governmental forces and so on, starts to leak little bits out here and there because they're getting awfully kind of nervous at the same time. Never mind the fact that there's no news anymore, generally. It's so well controlled. But the thing is, you're getting little bits coming out now about the problems. There's certain things you can't keep under wraps for so long. In Britain, like the knifings are just skyrocketing. And I've got gun violence, which I've never had before either. Same as Sweden, for instance. So the grand chessboard, who was behind it all? They're definitely what we might call loosely globalist forces behind most of it. Because the world they're bringing in is to be a completely monitored world. How do you, mo- how do you get all the, the, the spy stuff out and the rights of the people taken away from them? In, in a country, for instance, if you've got peace in the country, well, you must create what appears to be terrorism in the country, don't you? As an excuse. Otherwise, the people would say, wait a minute, we're not having that, there's no need for this. But if they say there's terrorism in the country, then, oh, oh well, then oh, it's for our own safety, right? And that's how it all works. Just so well. But the world that is coming in is to be con- totally controlled across the whole planet, remember. And so many groups may be used to, to play off against each other unwittingly to, them, to even the, the idiots that, that do it. And people do that they're idiots. Especially young guys. Young guys are always idiots. And yeah, they want to fight in the whole bit but, and they get, they get prompted to fight each other. They never benefit themselves. Never do. And whatever they think they're fighting for, it never dawns on them. Maybe a very few of them, if they get to a decent age, if they get to a decent age, uh, that they've all been used by something much higher than themselves. And that's how it really works. It really does work like that. I've given examples from the organizations that were behind the fomenting of at least World War One, actually the Boer War in World War One, and then had a hand in World War Two as well, and that was a royal issue for international affairs, and before they called it the Milner Group and the Kindergarten, different names for it, because it was very covert initially, initially, because they wanted to, and they were, they admitted they were behind 
fomenting wars. And through that, they believed they could literally, apart from profiting off it at the same time, because everybody involved in their own shape of international affairs had massive shares in the war industry and banking as well, by the way. But they, they thought they could get the countries to their knees, exhaustion, with a massive loss of life and, uh, and all the, their, their GDP being blown up and wasted and everything else. It didn't quite happen, but they, they, they did admit they were, they, were, they were wanting that to happen. And H.G. Wells mentioned that after World War I, that the public hadn't given up the, the, their need for a sovereign, a sovereign nation. So he said, we need another war. It's difficult for the average... That's why they think, they listen to conspiracies, or the people who pretend there are no conspiracies, even though history is, is nothing but conspiracy, <laughs> of powerful groups uh, trying to play off against each other to get more power. But they must always have a naive public. And you're kept naive. You really are. And you're taught how to behave. You're always taught how to think about things like conspiracies. Ha, ha, ha. Yada, yada. Because... Uh, your haughty, intellectual, nonsensical Oxford types that they, they bring on television will say so. Oh, what a silly conspiracy. Ha, ha, ha. That's how the whole system is run, as conspiracies. It's done by... Well, it's a conspiracy. It's literally one or two people meeting together, two or more, actually, meeting together, to commit some kind of act, to have some deed done, some goal accomplished, in secrecy, secrecy because people would be awfully upset if they found out what was happening because it would be to their detriment, whatever the secrecy is all about. Otherwise, there'd be no secret. You could tell what you wanted, and if people didn't mind, it'd be okay. That's how the world is run, and it's always happening this way. But young guys are always getting played, as I say, off against each other, and they don't clue in. They don't clue in. And once that the blood's up and the whole thing, and they're into this, this fighting mode, it, it never dawns on them that they're being used. It doesn't dawn on them at all. And I'll tell you, the greatest thing is the creation of sides. It's, it's an old, old art how they create sides and have them fight each other. And every step of the way, right up until the first killings on either side, then once that's going, it's easier for them because, because now they hate their side, you see. The guys involved in it. They know everything, the, the whole psychology of it. But they also know how to bring people into countries to take them down. That, that's a big, big thrust of what used to be called the communist idea. Revolution, perpetual revolution. Does it ever ring a bell? Perpetual revolution. And the old Trotsky idea too. Constant change, constant change, constant change. You're going through it. It's planned that way. When you have outsiders like George Soros handing money to all these different groups to help flood Europe, and then when the, when the certain countries like Britain want to pull out because they're being, they're, well, they're, I think, I, I hate to say it, Britain's pretty well finished. But if they pull out of this, 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 um, European farce of, of uh, it's not democracy, it's never, it was never intended to be democracy in the EU. If they pull out of there, then now you've got George Soros, who's just given £400,000 to fight to keep them in Europe. 
And, and a lot of that will go to politicians. And you can see however they get, it gets into their, their hands or what they do with it. You, 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 make, you, you imagine that for yourselves. To buy them off, of course it is. So they'll vote the right way, you see. And try to stymie or block any attempt to leave the European Union. And no one ever stops this guy, Soros. How come? How come? Well, it tells you that the big agencies, MI6, CIA, Mossad and all the rest of them, obviously are allowing him to continue like this. If he's going around the world meddling in everybody else's affairs, then it's got to be along the lines of the agendas of these organizations, especially the CIA. You need to think about it that way. You really do. And folk have got to start wising up to what these organizations are. What are they? You have this vague thing through movies now that they're somehow there to defend and protect you. That's what you're taught. But remember, the CIA has gone around the world overthrowing governments. It's made a, a, a good career of doing this kind of thing. And with every takedown of governments, again, you have refugees, and where are they going to go? Don't forget, too, there's a massive business. Everywhere you look at the chaos, order of chaos. Everywhere you look, there are folk who create new batteries of lawyers to deal with this problem. And you, same with the, when you look at all the Communist Manifesto, who benefited? Everything that happened, abolition of the family, divorces, so-and-so, children, uh, who's going to get the ch- oh, Lawyers, 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 new batteries of lawyers for everything. Think about it all. And look at all the massive refugee crisis agencies. Massive business. And then these agencies too, the private ones, are they really that private? Who is directing them and telling them where to send all these people? It's organized. It's definitely organized. And every group, I can remember years ago, years and years ago, from the big think tanks that are pushing all this today, the same think tanks were talking about what they knew about massive migration should ever happen. And from which countries and so on. And if you bring them in to, to diametrically opposed cultures, with their laws and everything else, there would be chaos on, on the, so what they called at that time. They called it the civilized countries, meaning the Western countries, where there was some kind of order and peace. And, 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 and whereas a lot of the countries are flooding in now, from, even from all over Africa, they don't have any of these kind of laws. They don't have these kind of judicial Proceedings, you might say, with courts and that. It's very, 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 very loose. The law is very loose there. And so, what do you expect when they come in? And they're told, as I say, to back off, that the police will back off, and everybody else will back off. And we can all sing Kumbaya together. Astonishing, isn't it? And it's even more astonishing when you watch it happening. You have people who are suffering through it, from the fallout from it. And yet the governments themselves are almost in a threatening mode that you mustn't speak out about it. Well, you have to ask, whose governments are these people? You know, Who are they? Who are they representing? Because they should have at least 
the people who vote that their own country, that they, well, at least if it's something, whatever country they think they're in, <laughs> these politicians, you would think they would be upholding the rights of the people in the country first and foremost to make sure the country can survive. The debt alone is, is killing them. They're already dying with masses of debt long before it all happened with compound interest, but you tack onto that this incredible cost of housing that comes into millions of people. Nobody can do it. It's not meant to happen. You'd literally have to be completely delusional to believe it could happen. Really. So, do you think they're all just delusional at the top? Of course they're not. There's a higher governmental system you know nothing about, obviously. And the politicians are all doing what they're told. They're doing what they're told. It's part of the grand chessboard again, isn't it? And all the chaotic fighting parties will all lose. They always do. They always lose. And they're used. And the goal that's achieved is never what the fighting parties ever even dreamt of. That's a fact. That's how it always is. Now, let's just look at Britain. Britain's been more open to an extent about the state of its economy and its debt. It's borrowing, borrowing, borrowing like crazy. And which is easy to do when you live in a system where nothing is backed by anything. It's all to do with mountains of IOUs. That's what they, they base on. So here you have Britain, for instance. Here's a, here's a story here. From the Daily Mail, this is non-EU migrants. Now, here's the thing: if you're in the European Union, then you're supposed to take in anybody from the EU. But they've got this kind of strange deal, where folk can flood in from all over the world, into in, from India, from Africa, from all over, and they try to get into the EU just to land there, and then they're, they're moved on to 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 Britain. Not most of them want to go to Britain. This is from November, last November there. So non-EU migrants, so the ones that don't have any, even a tenacious grasp of the right to be there, they're just coming in. So they're not even belonging to any of the EU countries. Non-EU migrants win right to stay in the UK. Every 36 seconds, one is granted the right. Every 36 seconds. More than 865,000 people were allowed to live in Britain. They came in in 2016, and that was published in in, just in last November. Because they're always a bit behind in giving them, although they could give you the real things for the present if they want to, but they always give you them a year or two ago, so I think. So 865,894 non-EU migrants granted to resident permits last year. It says that was a 52% increase on the previous year. And Britain granted more permits than any other nation in Europe. Now, wait a minute here. They're not, they're not suffering from some sort of challenge thing in their mind or brain or whatever at the top. Anybody with even a moderate or low IQ would figure out, wait a, so many coming in every year. 
You have to house them, feed them, massive cost for the people who, who are still working, which is dwindling all the time. It pays for it all. Eventually, you're going to get to a stage where you're, you're, you're spending more of all your, your GDP on migrants than you are on anything else, which is happening. I mean, the, the hospitals really are cutting back like you wouldn't believe. And okay, because naturally, it's destroying everything else in the system. It's meant to. They're not stupid at the top. They're not stupid. It's like, it's like getting scales and keeping adding more and more stuff to one side. Guess what happens? It eventually goes right down and clunk hits the bottom. That's, they, know, they know this. This is all intentional. And across the whole of Europe, they want this to happen. And they want out of the crisis, just like the Phoenix, is born a new system which they've prattled on about for a long, long time. Anyway, there you go. I mean, come on. So you better, don't think your politicians work for you. If they worked for you, they would say, no, we, we can't do this. We can't do this. This is suicide for everybody. And then you have France, of course, at the, the present time. It says the migrant crisis spirals out of control. I've got a few articles on, on that in France because they've got shootouts now with different groups waiting to get into Britain, but they're, 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 they're at Calais trying to get into Britain. And, and got Afghans fighting with Eritreans, different gangs. And it, it escalated into gunfire now. This is hundreds of Africans and Asians armed with knives and iron rods, but they've got guns now. This was before they started shooting each other. The clashes plunged to Calais, emblematic of Europe's failure to control mass migration, into a war zone and reinforced the perception that French authorities have lost control of the country's security situation. This started, apparently, one, one of these, these battles started in Calais after a 37-year-old Afghan migrant running a human trafficking operation, because who's, a lot has come in like this, fired gunshots at a group of Africans who did not have money to pay for his services. I guess they wanted to them all for free or something, I don't have an idea. And five Africans suffered life-threatening injuries. It says, within an hour, hundreds of Eritrean, Ethiopians and Sudanese took to the streets of Calais and attacked any Afghans they could find. Kumbaya, eh? More than a thousand police officers using batons and tear gas were deployed to restore order. Two dozen migrants were hospitalized. But there's other articles too where they started shooting each other. So some, some of them got firearms too. And uh, it actually mentions it here too, uh, fired gunshots and so on. I can remember people a long time ago saying many of these different people have been fighting for centuries with each other. Why would they stop? Why would they stop? Huh? And then an article here, four migrants in critical condition after Cali shooting. They play that down too, there's a lot more shot. They're calling them serious incidents. <laughs> I think so. No kidding, eh? And it's getting so bad now with what's happening there that, well, most countries are getting like Sweden very quickly. What's an article here, how Sweden became an example of how not to handle immigration. And it talks about January in Sweden, uh, where it was particularly violent. A 63-year-old man was killed in Stockholm by a... They're using hand grenades there now. A hand grenade lying in a street. A Dutch exchange student was hit by a stray bullet during an execution-style killing at a pizza restaurant in Uppsala. In Gothenburg, a hand grenade was thrown into a flat and exploded in the kitchen. 
the same predominantly immigrant populated suburb where an eight-year an eight-year-old British boy who was over on holiday was killed in a grenade attack less than two weeks ago. In Malmo, a grenade was tossed at a police station and exploded outside, so it has not so far been a very happy New Year. And gun violence is on the rise, and they say that they're bringing them in, the guns in from Yugoslavia. And of course, don't think the authorities don't know the, who is behind supplying the cash for the guns and so on too, huh? Hmm? And along with the, the guns, you buy them, it says 890 pounds, British pounds, can buy you five automatic weapons and ammunition with 64 hand grenades thrown in as a sweetener. So there you go. I guess the grenades are for the kumbaya percussion part of the choir there. It's just, what they're calling these areas, you don't go into, they call them vulnerable areas. So they've got gang wars and... Uh, going on all the time, and drugs galore, all the usual stuff, and human trafficking and stuff like that. And, and here they are trying to keep it all quiet, quieting it down, just, just quieting it down. It's almost, again, it goes, into talks I've given years and years ago about reality. Because we have been trained for a long time with, with big, big behaviorist programs out there, working with television and movies and all the rest of it, to, to look at the positive and don't look at what's... what's see, they, they call anything that, 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 that's nasty negative. They call, it, they call it negative. And so they want a, a lot of people, they want a whole nation, that's what they're really after. Just look at the bright side of things. Turn your back, and there's even books out there too, all these self-help books. Turn your back on anything that's negative. It'll just bring you down. Well... <laughs> If you don't look at the negative here and there, the downside of things is going to happen and come down whether you like it or not. Or if you turn away from it or not, it's going to get to you too. If you don't want to look at the, the negative things, just walk right across a busy street and see what happens. Just think good thoughts and surely you'll get to their side. Is that, is that how life works? I don't think so. No. You take precautions and you look. You look. But this is what's been forced upon a whole, a whole of Europe for a reason. It's the chessboard again, isn't it? And then you get to, amongst all of this kind of thing going on, you get the ones coming back to the countries where they've spent some years, maybe got citizenship. They're coming back to Britain and their countries to the jihadists. They're watching them, supposedly. They're, they're going to watch them for signs, signs of what? They caught two of guys that they were seen taking the heads off lots of people across there. They came supposedly from Britain, although when you look into their history, they came, I think they came young, when they were young, they came over. At least one of them certainly did come over again as a, a refugee migrant when he was younger. And then he goes over, over to the lands over there and they start chopping folks' heads off. And there's pictures of them in the paper, too. Anyway, the two, two of them were caught out of this group that they called... I don't know where this Beatles idea came. It's almost like a, a propaganda thing, but they call them the Beatles because of their accent that they'd adopted. So beheadings, electrocutions, crucifixions, the reign of the West London jihadists who grew up listening to the Spice Girls and watching Queen's Park Rangers F's football club, who became known as the Beatles. And... It says uh, 
It was a notorious execution group. This is the killer nicknamed Jihadi John and uh, Ian Davis, part of a group named after the 60s bankers, their English accents, along with Mohammed M. Wazi. Anyway, so they talk about it, and they, and they were, there's videos up there with them cutting folks' heads off and things. And uh, what are you going to do with people like that? Hmm? Really? What are you going to do with them? It says one of them here became the face of British terrorism after beheading American video journalists James Foley and Stephen Sutloff, as well as Ari Royal Air Force aircraft engineer David Haynes. And Alan Henning was a second Briton and the fourth Westerner to be beheaded on video by these terrorists. By the terrorists. What do you do with them? These are people who came into countries and their parents before is, is for help. And this is how they repay everybody. What are you going to do with them? Well, the way things are going, they'll probably end up getting, if they went back, if they got them back to Britain, for instance, they'd probably give them some therapy and then rush them through university and then shove them into politics, you know, something like that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't, the way things are going right now. But really, I mean, you, you can't just rehabilitate people like this. Can't be done. You take the people who have post-traumatic stress disorder, the troops, and they're never, never right afterwards. But here you've got guys who, who maybe loved what they were doing. Who knows? You think we just settle back down again? Doing what? But again, people who started all this and created the chaos and who definitely wanted the mass migrations, and you, if you were in those countries, you'd move to, if you know that for the next 20-odd years you're going to get nothing but bombs dropped on you and different uh, groups back are getting financed by the Western countries fighting each other, well, you'd move out too. So it's all planned that way. It doesn't happen by itself. I hope you understand this. I can't stress it enough. It doesn't happen by itself. And you've got to really understand what your countries happen to be. They're nothing of what you think they are. As I said, I've given talks for many years, and I know once in a while folks send me little clips of videos of people who grab my stuff and put it into, into, into video form, which is good. They won't mention it, but you know darn well it comes from me because, because what they say. It's like A, B, C, D, right from talks I've given before. And one of them recently was about, about that, to do with how we're farmed. I've mentioned it since the 90s, like, like Charles Fort said farmed. But I went further with it and, and said, you know, this is what you think your countries happen to be. And because you've got a bit of freedom to buy this and buy that, but if you were a slave, a normal slave, you would, they would throw clothes at you and an occasional pair of shoes, you know. Now you just earn this, this nonsensical money and pay it back in taxes and then you spend the rest of it on, on what you need yourself. You're still a slave. Of course you are. And when things don't make any sense to you, do you understand, if it wasn't for these massive wars, including World War I and II, if it wasn't for these wars, do you realize how far ahead in hygiene and good lifestyles we'd all have? Education and, and who knows what kind of really advanced societies we'd have and the problems that would be licked for, for humanity and health and all the rest, if the money had gone into that kind of thing. Huh? Do you realize how, really, huh? 
but we're still borrowing money. Every country is borrowing money to throw it at these wars. And yeah, the, the private corporations that supplies all the material that gets blown up all the time, that must always get replaced, they're making a fortune out of it. Of course they are. The bankers are too. They live on the interest, the compound interest from all their loans. So they're happy if more and more, give it more and more loans. It's just incredible how it really works. But it also tells you, as I say, about the big organization. And everybody in every, at the top of every country seems to be in on the same plan of not changing it. Which tells you it is a big plan and they've got a boss. And the boss isn't you. That's what it tells me. Anyway, this is the time to, to create chaos, as I say. And they're creating lots of chaos. There's an article here, for instance, about is, is they're bringing out their soma time because there's fewer and fewer jobs with free trade. It's all in China. All the jobs are in China for manufacturing. All the different strata of manufacturing, too. From the, from the raw material to the finished products, that's a lot of different jobs from different places. We don't have them anymore. And so it's now time to give you soma, and legalize different drugs and so on. And if you want to get stoned on drugs, it's fine. But what I'm saying, when your government tells you, do you really think that the government cares about you, that they're suddenly going to let you have drugs? You better start thinking here. Never mind the masses of drugs, like multi-millions of pills getting thrown into, like oxycodons and so on, into different parts of of the U.S. Somebody will be up there wants all this to happen. And it is happening. But your government has become your... It's the one to legalize prostitution. Everyone else, too, it becomes your pimp and your drug pusher. Your government. What does it tell you? What does it... Can you find them anything out about them, what they really are there for? I've given talks about the, the flooding in of drugs during the different regimes in government of different countries, including the States. Now, let's call them the, by the use of every other country, the regimes, eh? When Poppy Bush was in, Bush Sr., in, in government, and they called them Poppy, P-O-P-P-Y, for a reason. And, of course, we had the, the drugs for gun scandal, too, that Oliver North talks about. They were selling the drugs they are bringing in, uh, the cocaine and so on, to, to the American public, to the children on the streets. This, this is your government here, folks. And you suppose that covert agencies to get money for their black budgets. So that makes it okay, right? Do you understand what I'm saying here? And you really think that, I mean, come on, who are the crooks anymore? Who are the crooks? Who, who's selling the stuff on the streets? And they're bringing it into the countries. Do you think that they're all getting their cuts out of it? All these agents, as they call them, the CIA, FBI, and so on. Every country is the same. I couldn't believe Britain, for instance, once when I went over back there, and I couldn't believe the drugs all through through, through the different cities in Edinburgh was the worst. And and you, you, they literally put documentaries up, and you see these youngsters, young people, sitting in their doorways, their council houses, with the syringes still stuck in their arms. And they're out of it, they're just sitting there, you know. What happened? It was like a war. Well, it was a war it was waged upon them. Of course it was. As I said before, there's genocide going on. When they had that big meeting on population control and, and depopulation, taking it down, they, actually there's one during World War II they had, and the king at the time presided over it. 
So even though they were killing people again in World War Two, it wouldn't be enough. So we're discussing how to bring down the. What do you? Th- why do you? How do you think? No, they're going to ask for volunteers. Hmm? It takes big, big organization to allow even the drugs to come into the country at the quantities they're coming in and everything else. And sure enough, if I even had the big boys had to accept themselves to pick the big newspapers and give you photographs of U.S. and British troops guarding the poppy fields in Afghanistan. And sure enough, once 9-11 was over and invaded Afghanistan whole bit, and eventually once they got troops in there, they started to grow the poppies again because the Taliban had stopped it, had it forbidden but they were in power. But Poppy Bush, and then, then actually it was Junior Bush, his, his boys lifted that ban and put them all back to work, grown poppies. And then you had a massive influx of cocaine afterwards, and it's never stopped since. This is not speculation here. You had tremendously good documentaries, and they're all in the archive section, by the way, the links of them, uh, cutting through the matrix and so on, are the ones you can read are still there. And... They talk about the Appalachians, for instance, and the terrible drug epidemics they've had there. You've had different reporters, well-known reporters, that came from that area at one point that come out and talk about it as well. I think Diane Sawyer was one of them, who did an awfully good one uh, on, on the drug problems and unemployment problems of these areas. This is done on purpose, keeping them depressed financially. And, and literally, financial depression leads to mental depression. Of course it does. And then you tie it all together. And you, you, I remember reading or watching one of, that, one of them before, these documentaries. Uh, and they also had the one on, on in the story, it was called Oxiana, remember, the documentary? About, the, about all, so many folk in that area being on drugs. And the doctors, a lot of them came in from different countries. They brought them in, actually, it seems. One country in particular. And, and they were just prescribing the, the drugs. They were giving you oxycodone and, and for everything. For anything and everything. And everybody was getting addicted. That's intentional, folks. Targeted peoples. And then you have this one here. Tie this in. After I mentioned about the, the massive drugs that flew into Britain, you wouldn't believe it. To take a whole people down. That's what it was for. And then you have opioid crisis. Investigation reveals drug companies shipped... Listen to this. This is a recent article in the States. They shipped 20.8 million prescription pills, right? Opioid type. To one, to one West Virginia town that only has 2,900 residents. What do you think might be going on there? So two out-of-state drug companies shipped the 20.8 million oxycodone and hydrocodone pills to a small West Virginia town over the past 10 years. Can you imagine what else has came in they don't know about? Letters were sent to Miami Lucan and H.D. Smith questioning the wholesalers and why they didn't see the increased demand for prescription pills as suspicious. I guess they were just busy. They shipped the 10.2 million hydrocodone pills and 10.6 million oxycodone pills to Tug Valley Pharmacy and Harley Drug between 2006 and 16, the letter states. And it says, Miami Lucan and H.D. Smith were also the distributors for Sav Wright Pharmacy and Westside Pharmacy, which also requested an increased shipment of pain pills. In 2016, there were 800 fatal drug overdoses in West Virginia. 
Miami looking at HD Smith have until February 9th to respond to the House Energy and Commerce Committee letters. Well, they just didn't notice. They didn't think anything of it, you know, did they? It's just astonishing. Look, they all knew at the top. You can't bring that stuff into a place without knowing about it. They've got to get leases and, and permits and God knows what else and checks and all that. Of course they do. But there are certain areas they really want to, to eliminate. They really do. They really do, folks. But I'll put up some links to the different uh, the different articles. And I see the one that was um, Hidden America, Children of the Mountains. Awfully good one, that too. Oxiana and others too, if I can find them. But we're living in incredible deception everywhere you look today. Incredible deception. As I say now, when <laughs> you've got people now hooked on all the different uh, new synthetic opioids that are out there too, they're coming in, they're made by pharmacies, and not pharmacies, well, they're made by by uh, pharmacists for big, big factory type things. They're not homemade things that are coming into the country. These are from big, big uh, factories. Of course they are. And the, the children are at the fentanyl. I couldn't believe it. Uh, there's an article of a young, young girl, about 24 or something, like she said, and what a mess she's in. And she can't stop taking the fentanyl. And there's lots like you. You understand that there's nothing government cannot do. If it wants to, if it, they will do things overnight, and they'll sign a law and enforce it the next day. Just like that, gone. But nope. It tells you all you need to know that the reason it's all getting pushed, plus at the same time, they're going to promote and push and sell through the government stores, the, the liquor board, for instance, of Ontario. That's government. That's where they're going to sell these things. Your, your dope. Go, go there and get your dope and pick up whatever you want. I mean, literally, that's where it's all going. And they'll become, they'll become your pimp and your drug pusher. And it's bare, I can remember Margaret Thatcher when she said that she, when she did away with the old closing times for the, for the pubs and the bars, and she used to close in the afternoon and then open again at time of was 5.30 or 6 or whatever, and go on until about 10.30 and then close again at 11. And then she just did away with the closing times, I think, during the day for sure. And she said it was far better to have them in, in the pub spending their welfare money than having them marching on the streets demanding things. Well, that's going to be a lot easier with everybody stoned all the time. Taking their they won't, uh, you just don't get folk who are stoned complaining about much. And you think it's all because they want to make everybody happy. Well, <laughs> you can have drugs now. Thousands of jobs not high or left unfilled because people can't pass the drug test that they get for their physicals. This is, this is probably prescribed stuff, I don't know. But it says here that the manufacturing industry in Ohio is expanding. It says, but growth is stunted because many potential employees are also addicted to drugs. And it says Steve Staub, who runs Staub Manufacturing Solutions in Ohio, Attend the State of the Union address as a special guest to President Trump. He says, well, there, aside from participating in the pageantry, he discussed problems in the manufacturing industry and business in general. The opioid crisis has had on businesses' ability to fill jobs, he says, is, is negative. Uh, Two million Americans nationwide are addicted to the drug. And it says the crisis has been particularly hard on Stobbs' home state of Ohio, where thousands of job applicants turned away because of substance abuse. 
Ohio still has about 20,000 available jobs in manufacturing. In Dayton, Ohio, where he's from, he says we have about 4,000 jobs available in manufacturing that they can't fill. And because they couldn't get people to pass a drug test. Well, wait until, you know, they're all, you got all these different, because they're, they're starting with marijuana. Believe me, they're going to expand it pretty quickly. Because you've got all that heroin, too, now that your troops are guarding the poppy fields in Afghanistan. They've got to start, you know, they're, they're already getting it flooded into countries, but they want to do a lot more. Quite some, eh? But that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. There's a big government above the system that you vote for. And everybody across the world is on the same agenda. And if ordinary people say anything, it's getting so bad, you might end up in prison just for saying something. Like, please stop it. You know, I'm kidding. And then Italy, <laughs> Italy's been getting hammered for a long time with this, this so-called immigration, where these big inflatable boats are always landing on their beaches. And getting directed to, and there's different organizations, some of the YouTubes up there saying who they are, bringing them in. But Italy uh, is a poor enough country for most of the folk. And they've got to pay for all that too, remember. It's like, it really is meant to, 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 to further bankrupt any country that's not quite hit the bottom yet. Or if they have hit the bottom, it, it, they're all living in borrowed money to put up with it. Anyway, now they've got Berlusconi, who used to be the former, he was a former Italian prime minister. Because immigration and social bomb ready to explode in Italy. As he said, if, if you bring him in, I don't think you can bring him back in because he was done on some tax fraud or something before. He or other ones will do it, but he says that he would deport 600,000 illegal immigrants if he's re-elected. And this is going to get more and more like this because this, this is what the big... The people who wanted all this to happen knew that this would get to a stage everywhere. And they want this to happen too. They want massive conflict everywhere. It's obvious, isn't it? Of course it is. You keep, you keep flooding and flooding and flooding and bankrupting and bankrupting and flooding, and eventually it gets to a point where folk will retaliate all at once. But you'll get it. And then the government will come down even harder with more restrictions on every single person under the guise of keeping everybody safe, like we already have to an extent, but even further even further, where government will be checking in with you every day. Everybody. Everybody in the country. That's where they want to go with all of this stuff. Everything has a purpose. Never forget it. Never forget that. Never, ever forget that. Nothing just happens like this at this scale on its own. It doesn't happen like that. No. The GOP lawmakers in the States says take aim at the World Health Organization. It's one of his agencies that, does, that deals with cancer over Roundup and Gradient because uh, they're coming out with articles now saying it, it, it does cause cancer. Right on top of the ones that already said about a week or two ago that they didn't cause cancer. It depends who you, who you pay off to say it, you know. But uh, like life will say, of course, is a nasty, nasty stuff. And it's, if it doesn't exist in nature and it kills bugs off, you shouldn't be eating it. And if it comes off weeds and all different kinds of things, you shouldn't be in it either. Should you? Of course you shouldn't. The U.S. lawmakers are threatening to cut off U.S. funding for the WHO cancer research program or its findings that glyphosate herbicide roundup is probably carcinogenic to humans. However, 
Don't forget, too, the WHO and the United Nations wants depopulation anyway, one way or another, you know. And they want to cut back on even your food. Of course they do. Of course they damn well do. They've said it, you know, for goodness sake. They really have. They want to cut down the population. So it's all pro and con with different groups, isn't it? But the fact is, yeah, this stuff, of course it didn't know darn well what it's doing. Of course they do. Also, too, as, as you're, the people who love us so much are going out around the world there, releasing different mosquitoes to deal with dengue and all the rest of it. But also, they come out with vaccines for dengue vaccine. And, and bingo, just like other polio ones, the oral ones that, that, that we've read about before, with, with the WHO, given it in Africa and places, and India, they were giving, and they, they created a, <laughs> they did, they created a, a, a polio that was super contagious. That was from a few years ago, and they admitted it after the fact, of course. They didn't stop them doing it, they kept doing it. And now, of course, they're finding the same thing with the dengue virus vaccine, this dengvaxia, which they kept telling us was, was okay, okay, okay. But now it says here, the consequence of this particular one may occur upon second and third infections, and the consequence called antibody-dependent enhancement now appears to be caused by the vaccine itself. So anyway, it's already killed a few people apparently, so they're, they're panicking. They put a lot of big bucks out on this thing, as they always do. But uh, some countries, like I think the Philippines has banned it already because they've lost a few children with, with this particular uh, vaccine, so they, so they claim. And what else have we got here? Oh yeah, as I say, I'll put up the article too with, with Soros, who's paying the £400,000 to thwart the Brexit idea. And also, Ontario court forces Christian pro-life doctors to refer patients for euthanasia. That's, that's the great Canada. We're, we're, we're a progressive in Canada. And uh, things you wouldn't imagine, that's what you call being progressive. You would never think it possible. Uh, we, we do it, so that's called progressive, you see. And an Ontario court ruled today that doctors who oppose euthanasia must nevertheless act contrary to their beliefs and, and refer patients making a euthanasia request to a physician who will end their lives. So we've got doctors who are killing people. Uh, would you trust these doctors ever again on anything? Would you? Also in Britain, a midwife, a person who loves her job and and has helped uh, deliver 5,000 babies in her lifetime. She was hounded out of her job after 30 years because she refused to supervise abortions. See, your medical industries have a different function now, folks. I hope you understand it. And everything today is politicized to a dangerous and a deadly degree, honestly. And Britain too, again, because they're cutting back and everything as well. And they're doing all these little... Trials, I won't tell with the public why, but little trials on cutting back um, certain drugs and so on and treatments. Anything that saves pennies, because the, the money has to go for, for the, to, to house people and everything that's coming in all the time. Ambulance services accused of playing God after a woman died following heart attacks. Only one of it. Well, she was a guinea pig in controversial medical trials, which she knew nothing about. So a certain t- she had a heart attack and... Uh, the ambulance crews were getting used to give placebos and uh, blind tests they didn't know themselves. Supposedly the ambulance people didn't know. 
But anyway, they knew who they were giving it to, and um, at a certain stage in a heart attack, if you say going to real severe fibrillation, and it's packing in, you can give uh, adrenaline shots. So they were giving some of them were just giving saline shots as the placebos. They're awfully good in Britain for for the for the native people in Britain because they gave they gave uh, the husband family survivors they gave them seven hundred and fifty pounds for uh, letting the wife die. So there you go. That's where it's coming down to, folks. And at the same time, too, they want to put uh, mental health staff to help and actually test. Actually, wanted everybody tested at school and and in adulthood too. I've read their articles from the forties. It says local government chiefs say youngsters are waiting 18 months for support for med- mental health. And this, they, just like autism, eh? one in 5,000, and now it's 160 uh, uh, autistic. It's just the same kind of thing for mental illness now and mental problems. It says here that one in 10 children now have a diagnosed mental health problem. Wonder why, eh? Hmm. With almost 19,000 being admitted to hospital after harming themselves... In 2015, eh? Imagine that. Also, in Canada, because we're progressive, it says here that uh, Liberal MPs break ranks to blast the government, as Trudeau's government, they say, who's got a ban on summer job grants uh, for pro-lifers. And it says that... uh, Liberal MP has broken ranks with Canada's Trudeau government over this new rule that employers must sign an attestation supporting abortion. Employers, right? And transgender rights in order to receive summer job grants. Because, you see, we're so tolerant in everybody's opinions here. Well, it depends who you are. All these things bode ill for society. Always think of Trotsky's perpetual revolution. And when you get one area covered, then you go on to the next level, and it's always the next level, the next level, until no one can even get along with each other, be it man, woman, or anything else, or, or parent and child, and a, and a whole bunch of other things in between now. And when you get death coming into the mix of, of healthcare, how can you call it healthcare? Understand, from their point of view, this is so overwhelming, they call it healthcare, healthcare, huh? Euthanasia, and euthanasia is awfully cheap, you see. It's always an economic factor. I've given talks before. I won't, I won't bore you with them again, but I've given lots of talks about it in the past. And you can. You can choose to not to look at the unpleasantness, the negative, and be happy, 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 you know, until it's your turn for something you might not want. And that's what they want, too. Just stay happy until it is your time. Anyway, I, I really wanted to cram a lot more into this talk, but there's no time. And so for myself, Alan Watchman here in Canada, where, yep, it's still awfully cold, and there's snow out there, and there's more snow coming. And it's about uh, 20, 25 below Fahrenheit right now. It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>